0: good to be in the house of the lord saints hallelujah good to have you here on tonight tonight we are going to conclude our long series on seven we've been talking about the seven deadly sins or what i like to call the seven deadly vices and we've referred to six of them already and so tonight we're going to finish this study is that all right we're going to deal with one i was i was i was trying to get you, hallelujah to to contribute into praise amen hallelujah because we might not praise a whole lot when i get into this particular subject Uh, i'm not after your shout today i'm going to teach a little bit but i believe it's going to bless you amen because we're going to deal with this final vice so if you have your bible with you uh come with me to the book of luke the 12th chapter luke chapter number 12 there are scriptures all over the bible concerning this subject and i could have I could have preached a, what many refer to as a textual message where I just go all over the Bible and find places where it talks about this subject and elaborate, but I decided to preach what is referred to as a, an expository message where I take a particular portion of scripture or a story, a parable in scripture, and I pull my points right from that particular story. Amen? And that's what I'm going to do today, and I pray that you are ready. Luke 12, beginning at verse 13, I'm sorry. Uh, Verse number 13. We're going to read from verse 13 to about verse 21. And then we're just going to let God be God. Amen. I read today in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. And the word of the Lord says this so. And one of the companies said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. And he said unto him, Man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. And he spoke a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. I want you to see all the eyes and my's in there. And I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, thou fool. Can I just, it's not a good thing when God calls you a fool. But God said unto him, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Ooh, have mercy in this place. Now I'm going to give you my title. You're not going to get my title till I'm about at least five minutes into my message. But I'm going to give it to you now anyway. Is that all right? Go ahead and put that first one on the screen real quickly. Hallelujah. Overcoming G forces, I'm going to tell you what that means in a moment. Overcoming G forces so generosity can fly freely. Overcoming G forces so that generosity can fly freely. And you'll get what I'm talking about in just a minute because that G in the word G forces is not gravity. Not tonight, anyway. It's greed. It's greed. And that's the vice that we're going to deal with today. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, we come before you. We give you glory. And we thank you for the opportunity to lift up holy hands in your presence. We don't take it lightly, Lord. And I'll have your way in this place and speak to your people a powerful word. A word in season. A word that ministers to us and causes us to progress and want to go forward in you, God. And We thank you for it now in advance. In Jesus' name. And the church said, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Oftentimes, we view greed from an external. Uh, we, see, we see something. We compare ourselves to that thing. And we, t- we, t- we try to define greed from an external. Let me give you an example. We will look on somebody who perhaps is very wealthy and will take a look at perhaps what they're driving or what they live in, and we determine, I don't know how they could drive that and be all right, knowing that there's so many poor people in the world. Amen? And so watch this. We're, we're, We're trying to define it from an external. But I want to submit to you that when we define greed, we have to begin on the inside. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Oh, God. That we have to define it by an inner characteristic first and then an outer expression and I would submit that greed consists of both an inner characteristic and an outer expression watch this now that feed off of each other I said they feed off of each other and I want to submit to you that this particular vice is a vice that I'd like to say uh is is a habit of the soul Yeah, yeah, this vice is a habit of the soul. You know, I've been doing some coursework, and because of the coursework, I've had to study some of our um, apostolic fathers of the second, third, and fourth century. These are the men that came on the heels of the foundational apostles, amen? One of them in particular that's really powerful, if you ever like to study history, you want to study this guy right here. His name is Aquinas, or Aquinas Aquinas. Uh, In the 4th and 5th century, hallelujah, he is an apologist or an apostolic father. He said this. He said, greed is the opposite of generosity. Now, you know, that doesn't sound very deep, and I didn't have to go all the way back to the 4th century, hallelujah, to really uh, make that sound deeper than what it really sounds. But here's why I want to say it, because the word that he used for generosity is the Latin word, which is really liberality. Amen. Which comes from the root word liberty, which in essence means freedom. So when Aquinas said that, free, that generosity or that greed is the opposite of generosity, what he's really saying is the generous man is a free man. It, 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 the generous man is a free man. So my question to you on today to begin is simply this. Are you free from the attachment to money? And to what money can buy? Are you free? You know, I, re- I was reminded today, I, uh, I remember being younger and, and, and watching... Uh, the space shuttle take off. I, I don't know what it was about the space shuttle take off. I was just uh, really interested in watching. I will turn on the TV and watch the space shuttle take off. I, I don't know if you've ever watched the space shuttle take off, but watch this, something interesting used to happen. The first time I ever watched it, I got really concerned because I saw this huge thing take off, right? And right when it got to a specific height, a third of this, this shuttle fell apart. And I remember watching this happen and say, oh my God, it broke. (laughs) But it did not break. The reality is that that was supposed to happen. That it was necessary. What broke off, watch this now, was the boosters. The boosters were necessary to get the shuttle off the ground. Because there are G-forces that are constantly wanting to pull it back down. That G-force is called gravity. Gravity. And because of gravity, watch this, you need the thrusters or the boosters to get you to a certain place. Are you following me so far? If you don't have the boosters, you can escape the gravity. And as long as you can escape the gravity, you fly restricted. But once you get to a certain place, the boosters come off. When the boosters come off, you fly freely. Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place? So, watch this. It was being held back by the G force or the force of gravity. Amen. Now, the G and G force that we're talking about is not gravity, <laughs> it's greed. And I just want to submit to you that anybody who sets their heart on becoming generous or a generous person has to first escape the worldly pull of greed. It's a pull. It's real, hallelujah, and if you're ever going to fly freely in the area of generosity, you have to first escape the pull. It is the pull of greed. Greed keeps generosity from taking off in our lives. Amen, somebody. So here's what you have to understand if you're in this place under the sound of my voice and you are a believer. There are two forces that are in conflict. Amen. There is a force, watch this, it is the force of greed that's pulling you. Amen? And it's pulling you and it's saying, get, get, get. Are you hearing me? It's pulling and it's saying, get, get, get. But then there's another force that's pushing and it's saying, give, give, give. One is pulling and it's saying, get, get, get. The other is pushing and it's saying, give, give, give. Give. And if you escape the pull of G-force, then generosity will fly freely. If you do not escape it, it's not that you're not flying, you're just flying restricted. Amen, somebody? Hallelujah. And so what I want to do today is I want to give you some boosters. I want to give you some boosters, or I at least want to give you uh, a boost that's going to help you overcome several things that will get you to the place where you can fly freely in this grace we call generosity and free ourselves from the vice called greed. The vice is greed, the virtue is generosity. Amen? If you're blessed so far, shout glory. So watch this. You're going to need these boosters because there's something that you have to understand that needs to be overcome. How many of you in this place? Put my first point up there real quickly. Hallelujah. We're going to go fast today. I want to talk to you about the conflict of greed. How many of you in this place know, watch this now, that greed causes conflict? Okay. Greed causes conflict. Let me me personalize it. Greed causes conflict in family. I said, well, that's the first one I'm going to touch. Greed causes conflict even in families. Watch this. Jesus wants us to be free of the things that wreak havoc in our lives. If you read the text like I did, verse 13, and I'll quote it for you. It says, watch this. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, tell my brother. That's family. Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Something happened. We don't have all the details. Maybe their parents passed away, left some kind of inheritance for them. The brother may be the oldest. I don't know what's going on here, but apparently the brother has access. The brother has it. And the uh, the other brother is saying, Jesus, tell my brother to share the inheritance with me. He's not even asking. He's telling him. He's saying, Jesus, tell him. Kind of reminds me of when Martha tells Jesus, Jesus, tell Mary that she's got to help me clean. Remember that? And Jesus said, I am not going to tell her. And in the same way he did that then, he's doing that here now. You know, it's amazing to me because when Jesus answers, even in the King James, he starts by saying, man, check it. He used the word man. It, 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 it's almost like, like he was saying, hey, pal, who made me judge and divide over you? You know, it's amazing to me how this man is having an issue and he wants Jesus to come in and settle the dispute in his family, and Jesus says, No. In other words, Jesus is saying, I ain't Judge Mathis, I ain't Judge Judy, I ain't Wapner, I'm not come, I'm not gonna come in there. In other words, why is it that you get into this these these disputes and then you want me to take sides? Isn't it amazing how we do that? We get into some kind of trouble, and then we try to spiritualize the trouble and say, Jesus, whose side you on? So, we're, so, so, so greed is at the core, and we want to spiritualize it and say, Jesus, who's right? And Jesus said, I ain't coming in there because I don't take sides. Watch this. I don't come on your side. You get on my side. You know, I'm reminded of another story in the Bible where a man named uh, Joshua, who is a warrior for God, amen, he's the captain of God's army at this particular time, and a fighting angel, a warrior angel, shows up, and he's so intimidating looking that when Joshua sees him, he grabs his sword and asks him this question, are you for me, or are you against me? In other words, whose side are you on? And uh, deep down inside, I know he was saying, please say, you're on my side, (laughs) because that angel looked real fierce, right? And so... The angel said, neither. Neither. I'm the captain of the host, watch this, of the Lord's army. In other words, I operate in a higher rank. <laughs> and, and I didn't come to choose sides. I came to encourage you to get on the right side. Who is on the Lord's side? That is the question. Amen, somebody. But we like asking God to choose sides amen hallelujah i read a story i read a story about six sisters uh this particular story i'll be real quick uh five of the sisters stood local and one of them married off and went to another state uh make a long story short uh, she the sisters got a phone call from their mama basically saying that their daddy had passed away and so the one that was in another state jumped on a plane with her husband and came to the house uh You know, she was the last one there because all the other ones were local. To her surprise, when she comes in the door, amen, what she notices as she looks around the house is that all the other five sisters had labeled all the other possessions in the house with their names. I know, I know, it's alarming, but it happens. And so they were concerned with what they were going to get. And, and, and... (laughs) There was nothing but tremendous tension in the air, and greed was at the core. Are you with me in this place? If you're not careful, it'll get into your marriage. There are couples who are married who are constantly arguing about money. Are you hearing what I'm saying? One of the number one causes, if not the number one cause of divorce in our nation today, is money issues. I said it's money issues. Amen? Greed causes conflict in family. Are you in this place, church? Hallelujah. Abraham has a nephew whose name is Lot. And watch this. Abraham gets to a place where he determines that they need to separate. And he says to Lot, hey, man, choose, choose the land that you want. And Lot doesn't even hesitate. This is what you have to understand. He doesn't even hesitate. He doesn't consider that Abraham is his elder and that he's there because of Abraham, because the hand of God is on Abraham. He don't care about none of that. He immediately chooses what he sees or he views with his eyes as the best land. But when he chooses the best land, as far as he is concerned, it he ends up in a place called Sodom. And Sodom is not a good place. But whenever you allow greed to be the major factor in decision making, it will never lead you to a good place. Are you in this place? Hallelujah. It would always lead you. Into a place that's not so good. To the point where it's only because of his relationship to Abraham that God sends two angels in there to get him out. And if you know the story like I do, he doesn't even want to come out. The angel had to grab him by the hand and drag him and his family out. Because if you're not careful, you'll get too attached to stuff. And that stuff will keep you from where God wants to take you. Are you in this place, church? Hallelujah. It's a sad story when you really read it because one of them didn't make it. And it was the wife. And Because the angel gave them some strict instructions and said, when you leave, don't look back. If I move you from it, you ain't going to need it anymore. Mm. Whatever God moves you from, you don't need anymore. Are you hearing this preacher? And so, watch this. She couldn't help it. She turned around because she was so concerned with what she was leaving behind. And the Bible says, then rather... Hmm. Then being a movement, she became a monument. Amen, church? It'll cause conflict in family. Amen? You know the story of the prodigal son. Very familiar story in the scriptures. This boy, (laughs) the conflict in his house... Uh, what's going on inside of him is so bad, he can't even wait for his daddy to die. That's messed up. I mean, he can't even wait for his daddy to die. He's like, man, this is taking too long. I want my inheritance, and I want it now. You know, that's like that teenager that says, I can't wait till I'm 18 so I can leave this house. But the parents sat in here. Teenagers are looking at me like, and you find out that life is not that easy out there. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Just like this prodigal son does, and he ends up coming back home. But it was greed, it was greed that made him live that way, that made him live a loose life, that led him to a bad place. Amen, somebody. Greed causes conflict in family, greed causes conflict in business relationships. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been in a, a, a business relationship and received the short end of the stick? Somebody promised they were going to do right by you, and they did not do right by you. You got to be very careful who you come into partnership with. We talked about that on Sunday. Have you ever been taken advantage of, cheated out of something? Greed will cause conflict in business relationships. Watch this. Greed will cause conflict among friends. I said greed will cause conflict among friends, and it could be over something Petty. It could be over silly stuff like divvying up the, the, the bill at Chili's. I mean that's real petty, but I figured I needed a, a a real petty example. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Like who gonna pay? All of a sudden somebody gotta go to the bathroom. <laughs> Are oh, you hearing what I'm saying? Watch this. Oh, let me give you another petty one. Uh, wedding invitations. Oh, boy. Uh, oh, you, you know how it is. Wedding costs money. You got to get that right place, right? You know you, know you got to pay by plate. And so watch this. You want to invite the whole world, but you can't invite the whole world. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because you just don't have it like that. So you got to make some tough, and they're tough sometimes, tough decisions. Because somebody's got to get excluded at the expense of getting their feelings Getting their feelings hurt. Yeah, yeah. Oh, maybe the problem ain't with them. Maybe the problem is with you. Uh Uh-oh. Because watch this. You invite somebody. And then they do come. And then you're upset because you're reminded of when you went to their wedding. And perhaps you told your spouse, well, didn't we give them a $250 espresso maker for their wedding? And here they are only giving us a $35 toaster. Greed is at that core because of the way you're thinking. Are you in this, <laughs> are you in this place? I, say, I know that's humorous, but I said that to say this whenever we value money and stuff over people, it's bound to cause conflict in our relationships. Oh, God, whenever we value money and stuff over people, it's bound to cause conflict in our relationships. There's countless stories in the Bible. There was a king named Ahab who wanted another man's uh, vineyard. His name is Naboth. And he said, I want that vineyard because it's close to my palace. He didn't care, nor did he take into consideration that that was an inheritance left unto him and that it was his by right. He went to tremendous measures, trampled even justice just to take that which rightfully belonged to somebody else. That's greed. Are you in this place? Hallelujah. Greed is the attachment to a good thing gone wrong. (sighs) Greed is the attachment to a good thing gone wrong. You know, if you were here, when we talked about the the last vice was the vice of gluttony. Amen? If you weren't here, that was a good one. You missed it because you didn't hear too many preachings about gluttony. Amen? And so watch this. Um, One of the things that I said Was simply this that fasting does not preclude feasting. And so, watch this. Uh, uh, What I was trying to say is that most people defined gluttony by saying gluttony is simply when you eat to the max and then you eat some more on top of that. And I said, that's not gluttony, that's a poor definition of gluttony, because if that was the case, Jesus calls his people to gluttony. And you know he doesn't because it's a vice, right? So uh, oftentimes, watch this, the lives of God's people were defined by fasting and feasting. And so watch this, he would, because they lived a life of moderation, he would appoint feasts to them. And when those feasts came, he told them you can eat until your heart's content. Why? Because your life is not, characterized by indulgence your life is characterized by moderation and as long as your life is categorized by moderation you can have some come on somebody and so watch this hallelujah so it is with things it's we're not talking about you not being able to have things we're just talking about things not being able to have you are you in this place church hallelujah Hmm. You're in a bad place, hallelujah, when you allow greed or you will use greed, watch this now, to use people to serve your love for money instead of using money to serve people in love. Are you in this place? Greed will use people to serve your love for money instead of using money to serve people in love. Amen, somebody. It will cause conflicts in all areas of your life. Number two. Number two. Hallelujah. I want to talk to you about the camouflage of greed. The camouflage of greed. Verse 15. Hallelujah. I'm coming right out of the text, right out of the story. Watch this. Uh, The Bible says, he turns from the guy... To the crowd, right? The guy says, Hey, tell my brother to pay my, to to share his inheritance with me. And Jesus said, Who made me a lawyer or a judge over you and a divider? And then Jesus doesn't even talk to him no more. Now he turns from him and he faces the crowd. And this is what he says He turns from the guy to the crowd. Then he said to them, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Now I want you to hear that. I want you to hear what he said. He didn't just say, Watch out, be on guard because of greed. He said, watch out, be on guard for all kinds of greed. And so understand that what he's saying is that greed comes in many forms. And so just when you think you know something about greed, it'll morph itself and come to you in a different form. And so there's not just one kind, there are many kinds of greed. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This is, what I, this is why I call it the camouflage of Greed. He said, hallelujah, watch this, guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Now, I want you to notice something in the text. The verse begins with a double warning. Not just a warning, a double warning. So, you know, if God's giving you a double warning, it is serious. The first thing he says is, watch out. The second thing he said is, be on guard. And so, by giving you a double warning, he's saying, if you don't do this, this thing is going to sneak in and you ain't going to notice it. This thing will come. It will get past your detectors. You will not see it coming, but it will show up in your life. To assume that it will not happen to you is to deceive yourself. So, he says, put a watch on it. Put a double watch on it. Put two guards on duty because this thing is going to try to sneak in. And if you don't, It will. Are you blessed in here, church? Oh, my God. Greed is a danger we won't see coming unless we're really vigilant. It's sneaky. It will elude your detection. Amen? Uh, I heard one author put it like this. Greed is an insidious character flaw that creeps in without our notice. And just when you think you know something about greed, it morphs itself. And comes in a whole different form. So, so I, when, I, when I read that, I began to think about that for a second. And I said, what are some kinds of greed? What are some kinds of greed that can come in? And so I wrote some down. These might be some that you're familiar with. These, you, you might even not even agree with these, but I'm going to give them to you anyway. Watch this. Uh, the first one, I call it greed by fear. Greed by fear. These are some points that are not going to be up on the screen. So if you're taking notes, you want to write it down. Greed by fear. Greed by fear. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is when, watch this, you can't operate in generosity because you are too concerned with meeting your own needs. God help me in here. You are too concerned with, I got to put food on the table. I got to make car payments. I got to pay the electric bill. And I've even had someone on occasion tell me something like, Uh, Pastor, you know, I wish I could, but I can't afford to tithe. Can I help you in here? You can't afford not to tithe. I'll talk about that more in a moment, hallelujah. But I'm just trying to submit to you, hallelujah, that the Bible's challenge unto us is seek ye first. The kingdom of God, watch this, and all these things shall be added unto you. This is why Jesus on another occasion said, don't worry about anything. Could you imagine that, right? You hear that and you go, easier said than done. But they came from King Jesus. And if Jesus said it, you know what, I'm going to do it. He said, don't worry about a thing. On another occasion, he said, pray about everything. Don't worry about anything. But we don't pray about anything. And we worry about everything. Are you hearing what I'm saying in here? He said, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to drink. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Because your father, already ha- your father already knows what you have need of, even before you ask him. And if I take care of the birds, and if I take care of the lilies, hallelujah, how much more will I not take care of you? So he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, watch this, and you'll never have to chase Anything. But I'll cause those things to chase you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all its righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. You are pursuing things that are supposed to be add-ons in your life. God said they're not supposed to be pursued. That's why you're stressed out. If you just seek me and pursue me, I'll command those things to pursue and seek you. So your worrying is in vain. The Bible says worry does not add not one cubit to your life. Worry is a taker. And every day you worry, the the enemy is snatching life out of you. I refuse to give the enemy parts of my life like that anymore. The devil is a liar. I'm going to believe the word of God. I'm going to trust him. Even when I can't trace him. If you're in this place, shout glory. Glory. Greed by fear. The Bible says God didn't give you a spirit of fear. Mm. But a spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. And perfect love casts out fear. Amen? Let me hurry up. Another one is greed by coveting. Oh, boy. Yeah, greed by coveting. Um, you, you never wanted an iPhone ten Until three of your friends got an iPhone ten. Three of your friends got an iPhone ten, And now, all of a sudden... You can't live without an iPhone 10. And I mean, I know that's humorous, but you know what I'm getting at here. Hallelujah. And sometimes, watch this, uh, we covet things that other people have. And we don't necessarily want what they have because that would be envy. We just want the same things they have. Are you following what I'm saying? So watch this, sometimes just to keep up with the Joneses. They get a car they could afford, but you want to be like them so you buy a car you can't afford. God help me in here. Are you human right? You covet, you covet. Sometimes we make the mistake. What the whole oh God? I'm gonna hold off on that one. Maybe in five minutes you'll be ready for that one. Hallelujah. Are you in this place? I want that car. I want those jeans. I want those concert tickets. I want the same sunroom she has in her house. I want that same weekend getaway. I want those nails. I want that hair. I want her spouse. Oh yeah, the deeper it gets in, the worse it gets. Are you hearing what I'm saying in here? Hallelujah. Let me, let me leave that one alone. Let me go to the next one. Gre- greed by impulse. Greed by impulse. You know, impulse. It, <laughs> impulse is you see it, and you got to have it. That lady's ain't going to like me right now. Hallelujah. You know, yeah, you know how it is. We go shopping. And, and, and the, the amazing thing is that the devil takes Visa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he would love nothing more for you to go, just go ahead and charge it, charge it, charge it, charge it. Until you're in a hole you can't get out of. Are you hearing what I'm saying? At that point, you are enslaved. If the enemy can't get you to fall morally, he'll get you to fall another way. He'll come in through another way. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Anything to keep you from your destiny. Anything to keep you from progressing. Anything uh, to keep you from being really free in Jesus. Come on, somebody. Ooh, Jesus, hallelujah. My God, nowadays you don't even have to go to the store to see it. You see it on your phone. And your phone has a button that says, purchase here press purchase it's so easy now and you just press purchase and press purchase and (laughs) next thing you know you get that bill and you're pressed oh god have mercy in here watch here let me me get to the next one real quick greed by family greed by family I'm running out of time greed by family Uh oh now hear me out here hear me out here some of you are already looking at me funny. I ain't even say nothing yet. I just mentioned family. You just mentioned family. I'm like, don't mess with family, Pastor. Hear me out in this place. Hallelujah. Watch this. Someone said that we have defied family in our culture by making family into a God. By making family into a God. Watch this. Someone else said, if you want an airtight argument for anything you'd like to do, just say you're doing it for your family. And then so no one can argue. And this will end the discussion. Watch this. We assume that all expenditures are justified if they benefit the family. But even a good cause like family can become a source of greed in our lives. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Oh, God, help me in this place. Hallelujah. There are some things that won't be good for your family if you get it. Are you hearing what I'm saying in here? The the danger is to make your family God. If you're not careful, they become an idol in your life. Jesus on one occasion said, if you don't love me more, I ain't going to like this, but I'm going to give it to you anyway because it's the word of God. You're not mad at me. I'm the messenger. Watch this. He said, if you don't love me more than father, sister, mother, brother, you cannot be my disciple. I'm, I have to be first in your life. Are you blessed in here? Here's the next one. You might be ready for it now. Is greed of the good life. Greed of the good life. Greed of the good life. Watch this. Uh, and again, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with living a good life. Watch this. But there is something wrong when you force it. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. When you live above your means. That's not good. So that every year when you budget, you're in the red. That's not good. Y'all looked at me like budget wasn't in the English vocabulary. Yeah, budget. Are you hearing what I'm saying in here? Oh, God, have mercy in here. Hallelujah. Watch this. My dad, this is before Christ. This is B.C., okay? So watch this. Uh, Me and my brother, we used to like nice stuff. We we, we wanted to have, when we were younger, before I got saved, I got saved when I was 25 years old. I'm 47 now. Uh, I got saved when I was 25, but I remember what it is to live from 18 to 25 without the Lord in my life. And I I was all about the, you know. All about the clothes. See, y- y'all don't know nothing about this. I'm a little old school, so, uh, you know, I was wearing Bally's shoes. Hey, see, I, some of y'all, some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about because you're too young. But I have Bally's, ballet shoes, Bally's, suede, ballet shoes. <laughs> All right, I'm going to leave that alone. Anyway, they were very expensive shoes back then. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And my dad, we would always ask our dad for the money to get this stuff. And my dad would look at us and say this. Now, again, this is B.C. Uh, My dad would look at us and say, you guys got champagne taste with beer money. (laughs) In other words, you guys guys like stuff that costs a lot of money, but you don't have a lot of money. And when you get older, you're going to realize that it doesn't work that way. Are you hearing what I'm saying? (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. And so watch this. We make the mistake either to live above our means, and that's not it. Watch this. Some of us live paycheck to paycheck. Paycheck to paycheck. I'm going to mess you up now. It's not the will of God. That's not the will of God. Amen? Because if you live paycheck to paycheck, That means you can only pay what you got to pay, which means you cannot help nobody else. And the will of God is for you to always treat others even kinder or better than you treat yourself. You're supposed to live in a way where you take care of your stuff and have a little bit left so that you can bless somebody else. Give and it shall be given back. Unto you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give unto your bosom. God says, hallelujah, you do that. I'll make sure you are taken care of. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But greed by good life. Here's here's the last one on this. Greed by retirement. Uh Uh-oh, don't look at me funny. I am for retirement. Okay, I'm planning for retirement. Amen. I'm not saying retirement is a bad thing. What I will say is that motive concerning retirement could be a very bad thing. Watch this. This story that I read today, I ain't lost. I'm in the text. Just say with me. Watch this. This story that I just read today is the only place in the Bible that'll say anything concerning retirement. This text right here that we just read, show me verse number 16, Luke 12 And verse number 16. Hallelujah, Jesus. Listen to what it says. And he spoke a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plenty. Next verse. We'll read it again. Might as well. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. I got so much coming in. Next verse. And he said, This will I do. I will put down my barns and build... I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there, will be, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Next verse. But then God said unto him, thou fool. You know what he's basically saying? I'm going to save up a lot, hallelujah, for when I retire. That's what he said, so that I can live good, right? And God said, you're a fool. I remember reading it at first. I'm going, oh, what? Why he's a fool? Why is he a fool? This night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? Ooh. I mentioned it in the beginning. I'll mention it again. It's not a good thing when God calls you a fool. This guy, this guy is rich, but he's a fool, which means you could be a rich fool. Amen? But I want to submit something to you very quickly. God did not call this man a fool because he was a successful farmer. Obviously, this man was having success, amen, in farming. I want to submit to you that that's not why God called him a fool just because he made a lot of money no 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 there's nothing wrong with running a successful business i said there's nothing wrong with running a successful business i don't want you to misunderstand me okay he didn't call him a fool because he sinned along the way the bible doesn't say that he did anything crooked if you read the story there's no indication that he does anything i'm looking at it right now there's no indication in there that says he did anything crooked it doesn't say that he overcharged, that he charged inflated prices. It doesn't say that he took advantage of his uh, co-workers. It does not say that he cheated the bank. It does not say that he did anything like that. If anything, we could just tell by the story that maybe he was a hardworking man. Maybe he was honest. Maybe he was business savvy. You know, maybe he could be somebody to admire because of his, that could be admired because of his work ethic. Amen? So why does God call him a fool? Number one, because the foolish farmer failed to recognize the source of his wealth. I said number one because the foolish farmer didn't recognize the source of his wealth. My Bible says every good thing. And last time I checked in the Greek and the Hebrew, every, man, every. Every good thing comes from Above. Amen, somebody? He saw himself as a self made man. He gave all the credit for his success to himself. I did this. If you read it like I did, you were going to find, watch this, in verses 16 through 20, you will see, watch this, six I statements I this, and I that, and I this, and I that. And a bunch of my statements as well. Amen, somebody. In other words, he was saying, I am the master of my own destiny. My God, help me in here. My crops, he said. My barns. My grain. My goods. Myself. (laughs) And God is absent from the whole monologue. I say God is absent from the whole monologue. And you know what's funny about it? I would think that farming would be the one business where God's contribution is preeminently recognized. Because here's the reality: if you're a farmer, I need sunlight. (laughs) If I'm a farmer, I need sunlight. If if I'm if I'm a farmer, I need water to come down. Are you following what I'm saying? If I'm a farmer, I need help keeping some of these pesticides away. Farming would be that one thing that a farmer would really have to call on God for help on because he's going to need the sun and he's going to need the rain. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But you don't hear him mention God in none of this. Amen, somebody. And the truth is that without God, there won't be a harvest. I say without God, there won't be a harvest. But the farmer is a fool because he fails to recognize God as the source of his wealth. Let me give you one more. The farmer also failed to recognize the brevity of his life. There's a contrast drawn here. Because he automatically assumes that he's going to be around always. (laughs) Are you hearing what I'm saying? Oh, God have mercy in here. And he thinks that his earthly existence is going to go on forever but it's not so he's investing into watch this transitory stuff and this is why God calls him a fool don't bank on things that are fleeting I said don't bank on things that are fleeting don't spend everything now either (laughs) let me just throw that out there because somebody might hear me say you see we don't got to save We don't got to save. We're going to spend everything so that we could be happy now. No, don't do that either. Somebody shout balance. Balance. Save for the future. And do stuff now. Especially for the kingdom of God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If you're not careful, hallelujah, greed can step in and cause you to focus just on saving. To the point where you can't do nothing now. Are you hearing what I'm saying in here? So motive is everything, even as it pertains to retirement. Amen, church? Hallelujah. Mm. Let me get my next point. I got eight minutes. Somebody shout, you could do it. Hallelujah. Let me get the next point. The comfort of greed. Oh, boy. The comfort of greed. Watch this. Again, coming out of the text, the third warning that Jesus gives about greed, watch this, is that greed gives a false sense of well-being. A false sense of well-being. Amen, somebody? My God. Are you blessed, church? Not, I mean, even everything I already said already pertains to, to this one too. If we're not careful, like this man, we just get comfortable and assume that we're going to be okay and bank on things that are fleeting and then end up shocked. Amen, somebody? Let me give you the last one so that we can get out of here. Constraints of greed. Constraints of greed. Hmm. Mm. Greed deprives us of opportunities to be rich toward God. In verse 21, Jesus sums up the story. This is what he says. This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich toward God. And so what happened to this rich farmer is exactly what can happen to you. And so God presents us with a clear choice In this particular text, we can either store things for ourselves or we can be rich toward God. We can either store things for ourselves or we can be rich towards God. Now I'm going to go back to something I said a little earlier and try to help you with this real quickly. Amen. God has implemented the tithe. I can't tell you how many people, (laughs) you talk about the tithe and it gets uncomfortable in the room. Uh, For those of you who don't know, tithe means 10%. The challenge in the scripture, hallelujah, is to give unto God that which belongs to God and unto Caesar that which belongs to Caesar. Amen. The the amazing thing about God is that God asks for less and he's counting on you to bring it to him. Uh, Uncle Sam, don't trust you. So he's going to take it and he's going to take more. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And, 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 and we don't seem to have a problem with that, but when it comes to giving to God or God's work, you know, oftentimes people have a mentality that says, and you know, it's, it's, it's fine. I, I, I don't get disappointed at people when they think like this, but people have a tendency to criticize what they don't understand. And so, so people say things like, oh, the church just wants money, assuming that the church has sponsors. But I will submit to you that Nike ain't sponsoring the church. Are you following? The church exists because of the free will offerings of the people. And the church does what it can do because of the people that sow in the church. And the more that comes in, the more the church can do to reach a world for Jesus Christ. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Ah, God, have mercy. So watch this. Lord, have mercy in here. God has implemented the tithe not as a law. The People are always talking about, oh, that was in the law. That was, it was before the law. I wish I had time. I don't have time to get into all this. But it goes all the way back to Genesis. But people say, oh, you know, God has implemented the tithe as a law. No, not as a law that binds, but as a liberty of detachment. Watch this now. As a liberty. Let me teach for a moment. As a liberty of detachment. Watch this. Like fasting, tithing is a habitual practice of limiting our use of a good thing. Like fasting, right? We don't, food is a good thing. But when we fast, we stay away from food, right? So tithing is the same thing. It's a practice, watch this, that limits something good like money to regularly and continually loosen our attachment to it. Are you in this place? In other words, tithing is an extended sense, or in its extended sense, a Sabbath rest from our natural tendency to replace God with stuff. Are you in this place? We cannot keep putting ourselves first and expect to be blessed from God. Watch this. On one occasion, a prophet comes up to a widow woman who the Bible says only has one meal left. You know that story, right? She had, could you imagine this? Widow woman has one meal left. She said, I'm going to make this last meal for me and my child, and then we're going to die. And the prophet shows up and says, okay, but bake me a cake first. Today, he would be on the 6 o'clock news. Prophet steals widow's last meal. I'm telling you, he will be on the front of the 6 o'clock news because the world or secularism doesn't understand the way the kingdom of God works. He's telling her, watch this, what good is it that you have one meal left and you're going to eat it and it's only going to make you live one more day? What good is it that you eat that today and you're going to die tomorrow? Give it to God first. Trust him to provide for your future. And watch what he does. And the Bible says she made the man a cake first. Watch this. And her wheelbarrow never ran out, hallelujah, throughout the duration of a whole famine. People were starving, but her and the prophet were eating good every day. Because they took God as at his word, are you in this place, church? Hallelujah. Watch this, in other words, let me help you understand this and I'll close. The point of tithing is not to conform, it's to reform. I said, The point of tithing is not to, to come, it's not so that you can conform to some, some, some behavioral code uh, 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 of religious law, it's so that you can have your heart reformed. So that you give not because you have to, but because of joy and, come on, somebody, gratitude. Wow, those hand claps are diminishing. (laughs) The tithe is not an issue for me, it's a joy. I've been doing it for 20 years. I know it works. (laughs) You can tell me whatever you want. I know it works. He has never failed me. Hallelujah. I wish I had somebody in here that could testify. I'd rather trust God with my 90% than to trust me with all 100. With the whole 100. I'm going to leave it alone. Hallelujah. Watch this. Judas looked at a woman's offering, and this woman, I got one minute. That's all I need. This woman gave an extravagant offering. She, she gave an alabaster box that was filled with uh, fragrance. But what you don't know about the fragrance is that it was worth a year's salary, a whole year's salary. And she came in the room, broke it at the feet of Jesus, and spilled it on his feet. And then she, she cleaned his feet with her hair hear me and Judas now you know Judas right just just in case you didn't know what his responsibility was in the, in, in Jesus staff he, he he was the treasurer so the treasurer looked at it and said what a waste here's what he said he said we could have sold that we could have sold that and took the profits and gave it to the poor Now, that sounds like it makes some sense, right? But what you don't know is that the rest of the text says Judas only wanted that money to come in because he wanted to skim off the top. Judas was already, he's on Jesus' staff, and he was skimming off the top. And Jesus knew it. (laughs) I can't get into that. (laughs) So, so, so. So he says, what a waste. And Jesus said, what she's doing is good. It's so good. Wherever the gospel is preached, because of what this woman has done, her name will be mentioned. And here we are today, and we can't talk about money without bringing this woman up. <laughs> so, so watch this. Could it be, just could it be. That what the world sees as a waste in the kingdom of God is actually good stewarding. I have mercy in here. Are you hearing this preacher? Mm. When you make God first, worry, anxiety over what to eat, drink, and wear disappears. Amen. Stand to your feet in here. Master musicians to come forward. It's 832. I almost, it. I almost did it. Hallelujah. I read this, and I thought it was pretty powerful. In the ancient days, there was a king. His name is Siam. Had an enemy. Watch this. When he had an enemy, he wanted to torment and destroy. He would send, watch this, the enemy a unique gift. And the unique gift was a white elephant. A live albino elephant. These animals, just so you know, were considered sacred in the culture of that day. So the recipient of the elephant had no choice but to intentionally care for the gift. This elephant, watch this, would take an inordinate amount of the enemy's time, resources, energy, emotions, and finances. And over time, the enemy would either destroy himself... Or weaken himself to the point where the adversary can come and easily take over. So look, look, <laughs> look at what a king would do to someone that he wanted to invade in the future. He would give him a unique gift. Knowing that he would have to now care for that gift and ultimately the stress of it would bring him down. Well, you have an adversary too. I said, you have an adversary too, and he would like nothing more than for you to allow the love of money to cause you to spend time chasing things so that you can't spend time chasing him. And ultimately, by chasing stuff, rather than chasing the source of everything, You tire yourself out. You drain yourself of energy, emotion, and then now the enemy can easily attack you because you're not in a good condition anymore to fight. Are you in this place, church? Hallelujah, Jesus. The opportunity to give will reveal the attachments of the giver. The opportunity to give will always reveal the attachments of the giver. If you receive that word on today, give God praise.